Blog Talk Radio. Join Mildred Lynn McDonald for a fascinating tour of the mind-body-spirit connection. Enjoy nourishing conversations, thought-provoking guests, personal growth tools, compassionate guidance, practical tips, plus a generous sprinkling of East Coast humor and warmth. Airs the first Sunday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. For more information, please go to HealingConversationsWithMildredLynn.com. And now, let's join Mildred Lynn. Terry, the question I really want to ask you, and I know that you're involved with many things and you have many gifts and lots of experience, and why do you do the work that you do? Is it a calling? Would you call it a vocation or a feeling, a passion? Where do you put it? Questions like that I find difficult because I'm eclectic and there's many answers often within me. But my immediate response is it's who I am. That's why I do what I do because it's who I am. It's what's in me. It's how I think. It's how I'm patterned. I originally started my career as a nurse. And from nursing, I evolved into re-educating myself as a natural health practitioner. And then in natural health, I continued my search for tools and to become a better, a better, not a therapist, but I think of myself as a catalyst. I catalyze people and I create a shift in their perception so that they can experience their own personal growth. And it's a mission in me. I'm impassioned about it. And that's how I think. That's how I'm wired. It's interesting that you said you're a catalyst and that's how you think and that's how you're wired because I find a phrase that comes into me a lot these days is that's how I'm built. Yes. That's simply how I'm built. And it sounds so empowering to say that. I really love it. I know that you're doing this work. You love this work. You're passionate about it. You're a catalyst. When the work came to you, was it a surprise? It wasn't a surprise. Maybe an amazement. I think of the work that I'm doing now, and I'm amazed as to where I started. I am certified in a lot of what I do. In everything that I do, I've been educated. But a lot of what I do is so intuitive that I really think I'm working outside of the box of being a registered nurse. So it's more amazing to me than surprising And for me, because I work so intuitively, I work from my gut that I just follow one path in front of the other. I often see an image in my head of the yellow brick road. And so I just take the next stepping stone that comes to me. So that's not a surprise to me. It's just a path. And I always want momentum in my life. So I continue on the stone that brings me to another offering, another learning. It's an interesting path. Take, mm-hmm. you know, you're a nursing, you're in a traditional Western model, and you've explored all these different areas. So as you walked on this path, on these yellow bricks, any learnings that you have? Because I know people are out there, and they may be listening. They may have a conventional career, but they're feeling this passion to build on that career or take it into another direction. You've done it. Yes. Anything you can share, even if they're little tidbits of, of tips yes. or lessons. Well, the first thing that I learned as a registered nurse that still resonates with me, not just in my practical work, but in all of life, is never assume. Don't make an assumption. I often find that when I'm about to make an assumption, I'm about to make a mistake. So don't make an assumption. 
Also within my work, I never promise somebody something that they're going to experience. I always find that when I make a promise, then that's when there's a disappointment. So I encourage people to have their own experience. I tell them what my past experience has taught me, what other clients might have experienced, but I never set someone up for what they are going to experience. To me, that's limiting, and it doesn't invite them to have their own process. And a lot of times people want that structure around themselves. And I won't go there. To me, that also creates like a codependent type of relationship where I'm going to tell you everything. Another thing that I've learned is nothing is coincidence. I don't believe in coincidence. That thought process came to me when I read Shirley MacLaine's first book that she wrote, Out on a Limb. And it's one thing to say that, but it's another thing to live my life believing that there is no coincidence, that everything that happens in my life is synchronicity. So those are some things that I've learned along my path. And another thing that I've learned too, I remember one time I was invited to a seminar that a nurse was hosting, and she was hosting this for other nurses, encouraging nurses to go beyond nursing within the hospital and what other opportunities are available to us as licensed professionals being caregivers. And she had a lot of high-powered nurses there, people from the College of Nurses, from the RNAO, and all of these women got up, and their agenda was wonderful, but it was very traditional, very conventional, right down to she had a banking representative there, and she was instilling to everybody that you have to have a business plan, and you have to do this, and you have to do that, and I experienced it all as being very left-brained. And I was their last presenter, and I got up, and I said, I really appreciate everything that everybody has just said, but that's not me. And if you're not left-brained, you don't have to have a business plan to move forward. Identify your fear, feel the fear, and do it anyways, because fear can withhold us from our own passions. And so I told my story about how I just was drawn to doing something different. I didn't have a business program. I stumbled and I made some mistakes, but I picked myself up and I kept doing it. I was a successful businesswoman. I opened the first wellness center in the Niagara region. I didn't do anything that anybody before me had spoken about, and you can do it anyways. Well, the women in the audience... They were nodding their heads and they were enthusiastic, but I'll never forget the woman who coordinated this whole event. She was aghast and I was never invited to present for her again. <laughs> it was like, she was like, oh my God, what are you saying? But I spoke a truth. You know, like some of us aren't conventional. Some of us are not scheduled and structured that way. If you're free floating, if you've got an idea, if you've got a passion, just do it. Just do it. So for people that are listening and they're feeling a calling and they don't know how to write a marketing program or I can't even find the words, a business thing, a money thing, don't worry about it. Just do it. Because I firmly believe that the people that you're meant to work with, you will call them unto you. And you'll call the people that will meet your ability. The type of clients that I draw to my practice now are, are not the type of clients that I drew to my practice when I first started. You know, when I first started, I drew clients that I could manage, and then I had an offering for them. The type of clients that I can work with now have greater challenges because I'm more educated and I'm more confident and I have a bigger toolbox. And I just believe that if we listen to our truth, it'll be okay. 
But we have to get moving. And for a lot of us, it's really hard to get moving. It's not easy, Mildred Lynn, to make change. The brain doesn't like change. We're very, very habitual. And in fact, that's one of the newest areas of neuroscience and research is understanding the whole physiology behind habit and how habitual we are. So when we're invoking on a new path in our life, may it be business or love or even, you know, I want to be an artist. I want to take art lessons. I want to play the piano. It's difficult to make change, to push ourselves beyond that boundary. And for me, my sharing is just do it. Just do it. Feel the fear and do it anyways. I love it. I love it. I was sitting here, and as I was saying, Terry's on a roll. <laughs> there she goes. <laughs> You're saying the words that people need to hear, and that's why I love it so much. Two points I want to go back to when you're talking about working with clients and codependency and not handing over the keys to the kingdom, so to speak. I remember when I was in the area of doing coaching work, and I learned about the concept of coyote wisdom or coyote teaching. Yes. And that's how information would come in to me when I was working with someone, meaning that I would be given parts of the equation. They were the parts that the client could work with themselves to come up with their answer. So it was never a carte blanche. It was never yes. do one, two, three, four, five equals... I would get one, three, 3.7. That yes. would be enough to hand over to someone to say, here are three beautiful tools. Go and do your work if that's what you choose to do. The good part about it is it made it so interesting for me as the coach because I never knew what information I would be having the honor of sharing. And yes. it was such a great process. And then the second thing I was relaxing as I was sitting here and smiling broadly is when you talked about marketing plan, business plan, what do you call them, money plans, whatever. Yeah. So I came from a conventional background, and I remember when I started to walk into the energy world and set up my coaching practice that I thought, well, what you do is you put together a marketing plan and a business plan. And Terry, it would not come out. It just wouldn't come out until... I realized that that verbiage no longer applied to where I was. And I created instead a beautiful garden. And yes. in the garden were creative and energetic concepts that created that energetic structure that I needed. I'm more of an analytical. I need certain structure to move forward. So when you were saying that, stand up, listen to your heart, do it. Oh, yes. I just love that. And I know that message is so powerful for people because you're speaking your truth. So thank you for that. Thank you very thank much. You. Yes. And people may say too, but how? I don't know how. I don't know how. I don't know how. I hear that often. I don't know where to start. And I just get them to visualize, fantasize, visualize. Well, if I knew what to do, what would I do? So in the coaching work, when my client hits a block and they'll say, I don't know, I always say to them, but if you did, what would it be? And that's an invitation to take them beyond. People need an invitation. We all need to get nudged once in a while. And I love your symbolism about working in a garden. That's a beautiful symbolism. As you were sharing that with me, I was thinking about, and what a, what a beautiful place to have something grow. 
That's so much better than a book and a marketing plan, you know, to see something grow because that garden is symbolic of the growth that we do as women and as individuals. And the other odd thing that happened, oddly wonderful, is when this analogy of the garden came in, and as you were speaking to, your clients will find you based on where you are. As people started to approach me, the flower that related to their energy would come to me. For the coaching program, let's say I had 10 people who were going on the journey of the coaching program, they appeared like a beautiful bouquet of flowers. Mm. So for our listeners out there, for myself, it's a garden. That's what made sense. Maybe someone else, it's a seashore where you're collecting seashells. Maybe someone else, you're going into a beautiful forest. Someone else might be in the desert. Step out of the box. Speak the language that your heart and your spirit want you to speak. And then everything starts to show up in that context. And it's a lot of of fun, actually. It is a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun, and that's another thing that I think that we're not taught enough in our life is to make it fun and to make it easy to Mildred Lynn. You know, the old conventional way is that the more I struggle, then the more my worth is. There's more value if something is harder and I struggle. And I just say, no, 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 make it easy, make it fun. Don't forget to ask for it to be easy. And another thing that you said that I really enjoy, too, is choose. You know, in every moment, we have a choice to make. And that's a concept also that takes a lot of work on my behalf to really live. Wait a minute, Terry. In every moment, I'm making a choice. What am I choosing this time? So with that thought process, I'm asking myself to stay conscious instead of functioning just on automatic pilot. And when I live my life consciously, then truly I'm co-creating it. And I'm experiencing my life instead of just existing in it. There's a huge difference. And do you find with yourself, at least I found with myself, as I moved along the path, I had to have daily practices so I could discipline myself to be aware that I did have a choice. You know, because so much of my time is spent with clients coaching, that the work that I do, my clients are a wonderful reflection to me. I learn from my clients as they learn to me. So because I'm in session frequently, being in session calls me into my consciousness. So it's very palpable and it's very much in my everyday life. Now, I was on your website And you have a line there, and I wanted to explore this with you just a little bit. Yes. So you provide the tools of empowerment, and together you build a psychic toolbox with your client. So I'm really intrigued. What are these tools, and what in the heck is a psychic toolbox? Okay, that was channeled through me. And if I were to write that statement today, I might change the word from psychic to psychological. But what I mean by a toolbox is something that everybody can call their own. So I have my own toolbox. You have your own toolbox. Psychic or psychological, I mean that it's not tangible, so that it's with you. It's within your intellect. It's within your being. And one of the things that I always teach my clients is my parents did the best that they could, but they used old tools because they used the tools that their mom and dad taught them. 
and their grandparents used the tools that their mom and dad taught them. And some of those tools, in my opinion, are no longer relevant to the energy of our society today because society has changed so much. We're so much more open. You know, years ago, we didn't use certain terms. We didn't talk about abuse. We didn't talk about feelings. We didn't talk about sexuality. We didn't talk about our inherent needs and our emotional pain body the way we do today. So my goal in working with my clients is to foster an independence versus them being dependent on my work or me. So my goal is that I give them tools, and these tools make tangible the concepts, what I teach them or what I offer to them, and they may choose to incorporate into their life so that they become empowered. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And when when you're sharing these tools with them from a psychological perspective, how can you tell that they're becoming empowered or how have they related back to you? What feedback have you received? I observe it. I witness it. I experience it in seeing them evolve in our sessions. And they share with me that the tools that I teach them, how powerful they are. So I have a standard list that I teach to every client. So in my opinion, that standardizes my work. And I think that when my work is standardized, I bring a higher quality of my offerings. The first thing that I teach everybody is the concept, you're powerless to change anybody. And you know, often we, when we're in relationships, we, we get stuck in thinking that we're going to control somebody and I'm going to change them. I'm going to make him like hard-boiled eggs. I'm going to make him make the bed every morning. I'm going to make him cut the grass the way I would. I'm powerless to change anybody. Really, the only person I could ever change in this world is me. And the way that you can get someone else to change is to change yourself. Because if you look at life like you're looking through a kaleidoscope, if I move that kaleidoscope a nanometer, what do you see? A different picture. Well, if I change myself, now I'm changing the perception from which I'm looking through my life at and having an experience of my life. So when I change, others change around me. And people have come back and told me again and again, man, is this ever powerful? And it is. And also, when I change, I'm bringing back all of my projections and I am now being accountable and I'm taking responsibility for what happens in my life. And that then takes the person out of victim mentality. And it's my belief that we exist in duality. We've learned duality, good versus bad, hot versus cold, happy versus sad, victim versus perpetrator. And my experience has taught me from my own learnings and now in coaching people that we are often stuck in victim mentality. Well, when I'm a victim, I'm pretty disempowered and no longer do I remember, hey, wait a minute, in every moment I'm making a choice. So I find that the concepts that I teach, they're simple, but they're not easy. So I relate some of the concepts into a tangible thing because the mind can remember it if I make it tangible. So in my sessions, I work with a rain stick. 
and it makes a beautiful noise, but it also becomes the visual tool of this concept of duality. And I'm always holding it up and pointing to one end or the other, victim versus perpetrator. Where are you at? We want to be balanced. You're looking towards middle ground thinking. We're also invested in being right all the time. So what? What if you're right? You know, why are we so invested in being, I'm going to make myself right so I can make you wrong? Well, now what do you do? How does that foster love? How is that your highest good? How does that build a relationship? How does that support trust and harmony if I need to be right and you have to be wrong? So I find making these concepts and teaching them a tool that they can visualize, it's very empowering for them. When I see my clients unfold and when I see them happier and able to hold who they are within the family dynamics of their life, there's nothing that impassions me more and gives me more personal contentment. That's when I hear in my own space, this is what I'm here for. This is what I'm meant to do. Yeah, I love that. When you were talking about we don't have the ability to change anyone but ourselves, I know when I was talking to people when I did my coaching practice, sometimes people would look at me because there's so much of an inclination to compare ourselves to other people. Yes. So then I would backtrack a little bit and I'd say, we have the ability to change ourselves and how we show up. We don't have the ability to change others, but we can inspire others. Yes. So instead of comparing yourself to others, Look for people in your life that will inspire you to be empowered by yourself. And somehow I found that worked. (laughs) Relief. (laughs) Because you know what it's like. You're talking with someone. They're receiving the message. You know it's going deep into them. But at the same time, the habit of the head starts to crank in there. So you almost have to grab them before they go running down that street and pull them back and show them where to put that comparison energy that brings me to another tool that I work with all the time and that's my eggs and I teach everybody about this concept of empowerment and I teach them the difference between feeling empowered or needing to be powerful and it's my opinion that when I am comfortable in my empowerment I don't need to be powerful my empowerment is enough And so the concept, the tool that I use to make that tangible is eggs. And everybody can relate to eggs. As women, our point of power on our body is our ovaries. And women can relate to that. They literally are releasing eggs. And men, their point of power are testicles. Testicles are kind of shaped like an egg as well. So when you talk about this conversation about how we compare ourselves, I would say to my client, where are you putting your eggs? Because you're putting your eggs into somebody else's basket when you start to compare yourself and you're giving your power away. And how often do we do that, Mildred Lynn, in everyday society and our interactions with people? When we need someone else's approval to move forward in our life, when we want someone else to think that I'm pretty instead of knowing that I'm enough in who I am. That's giving our eggs away. And when my clients get this concept, man, do they change. They consolidate a part of themselves that's been broken. And in my shamanic work, that's soul retrieval work. 
So I've learned to take many aspects of work that I've learned and I combine it all into my coaching. And my eggs help symbolize this soul retrieval work that my clients do through the coaching by taking their eggs and putting them in their basket. And literally in my office, I've got lots of eggs and my clients are drawn to pick them up and they're out on loan. Right now I've got three of my beautiful eggs out on loan because I'll ask my client, do you want the egg? But it's amazing how holding it and making it tangible, they remember the work. They breathe. I've got this one woman that I'm coaching, and she's in the bank, a high position in the bank, working with all-collared businessmen. And she's a spiritual woman, and she's having a hard time holding her power. And my egg is helping her to breathe, to stay grounded, and she's learning to use her dialogue from her perspective, her perspective, and she's learning that she's being listened to in her environment. That's powerful, Mildred Lynn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even the men, I've had men take my eggs home, and they like the concept of an egg. Like, yeah, this is great. So they borrow my eggs until their own egg crosses their path. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah. And as you were talking about eggs, from a tactile perspective, holding an egg in your hand is very soothing. It's, it's very, very soothing. Yeah, and it's it's smooth and it's strong and it has a very nice shape to it. It almost fits right into the palm of your hand. So I could imagine someone going into your office area and looking at your menagerie of eggs and being drawn to one, holding it and feeling the energy and the power, the empowering aspect of that. I think that's brilliant, Terry. I love it. Thank you. And also when you're saying that, what's coming to me intuitively is also an egg gives birth, and they're giving birth to their part of themselves that's been suppressed. So that egg is symbolic of what it is that they're birthing within themselves, their higher self, their passionate self, their heart self. Isn't that amazing? I love it. You were a registered nurse, and maybe you still are. I still am, and I I firmly believe once a nurse, always a nurse. Always a nurse. And you've explored so many other aspects that you bring to the table, and this naturally starts to open up the question of Western medicine, pharmaceutical-based medicine, compared to a holistic model for health and well-being. So I know that you have definite thoughts on both of these models. Where do you sit? Share with us. When I started educating myself in natural health, the word alternative medicine was really popular. And I don't like the word alternative. I never have. I believe that we have to integrate both systems. Allopathic medicine, as we experience it, it has a whole history. That could be a whole other radio show about how the pharmaceutical companies took over. But in my research, I discovered that as early as back in the 1930s, America did experience medicine and medical care very similar to they do in Europe. Homeopathy was very prevalent. Herbalism was very prevalent. Light therapy and energetic medicine was very prevalent. And with the birth of antibiotics, the pharmaceutical companies took over and they funded the schooling systems that only supported pharmacology. And so other forms of identification of health imbalances were suppressed. So I believe that there's more to health than prescribing. I believe that there's more to health in the physical body. When I used to work in open heart surgery, it fascinated me that not once did I ever see the surgeon take the client's hand and say, why are you broken hearted? 
why do I have to crack your chest and strip the veins out of your legs and put new veins around your heart? Like, what's the story of your heart that your heart isn't working? Never once did I see that. And being an intuitive, I always knew at the core of my being that our emotions are very tied into our physical body. And when I read Eckhart Tolle and I watched that series that Oprah Winfrey did with him, I heard the term, your emotional pain body. And I thank him for that verbiage. I think that it's a beautiful term. What I witness in medicine firsthand is that Western medicine is wonderful at diagnosing and it's wonderful in emergent situations. If you're having a heart attack, go to the hospital. If you cut your arm off, go to the hospital. You know, we've made many strides in what we can do with that type of work. But our society is suffering from chronic dis-easement, chronic imbalance. And I don't believe that Western medicine deals well with chronic imbalance and with mood imbalances. From that point of view, that I really believe in looking at the body as a whole and looking at the energy body and the emotional body. And I really am grateful for doctors that practice functional medicine. There's a famous doctor in North America, Dr. Mark Hyman, and they integrate both worlds. And that's what I think should really happen is that both of our worlds should be integrated and that nothing is dominated by one by one remedy, by pharmacy or by surgery or another. Because sadly, there's so much illness in our world. There's enough for all modalities to be supported on and to thrive on. I believe in a modality that looks at the individual as a whole person. And that whole person means take the time to listen to their story, understand their emotional pain body, understand their physical pain body, understand their psychological pain body, put it all together so that we can create a body of health and wellness. It makes so much sense that there's so much room for everybody at the table. And that's kind of what I say too. There's room for everybody at the table. No shortage of ailments here. Ultimately, you know, we, we all have to wake up and take responsibility for where we're at. And I think when we do that, then culturally we're going to make changes. Because cultural changes have to happen too. Our food, our nutrition, what we're doing with our farmers, genetically modified food. It's the whole picture, Mildred Lynn. I don't know if you experienced this or not, but I know as I moved away from convention and into the world of energy, and I use that as a big umbrella, the world of the unseen, and I began to reassess things, use the tool of my mind to start to reassess and listen to my heart was number one on my list of reassessing. What it came to me is that I'm the boss of me, and everything, and I mean everything, is for my consideration. When you're talking about culture and we need to change culturally, that was a huge cultural shift for me to make, and it empowered me. It also gave me accountability and responsibility for maintaining, restoring, nourishing balance in my life and in my body and in the other energy center that I had. So I really liked what you're talking about and your honesty about being exposed to both healthcare systems because how many people have had that vantage point that you've had? Yes. And it's so interesting to know that with all your experience and exposure, at the end of the day, or at least where you are now, coaching is the key. I believe so. And you said something about how 
part of your transformation was to realize that you were the boss. And a lot when I talk with people and even listening to you, when we talk about culture, sometimes it can be overwhelming. Well, how am I going to change the world? Well, I know that when I change my world, there's a ripple effect. What would the world look like, Mildred Lynn, if we all took responsibility and accountability for ourselves, ourselves with the capital F, our higher self, and recognize that I am enough and it's good for me and it's healthy for me to put myself first? I agree. I'm expecting lots of people to step up to the plate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So what we're going to do now, Terry, is we're going to take a little break. We're going to listen to some beautiful music. And when we come back, I would love to hear how Canadian forestry essences fit into your picture, the beautiful picture, the empowering picture that you're painting for people. So how does that sound? That sounds lovely. Okay, we'll be back in a few minutes with Terry Songbird Phillips. Listening to Healing Conversations with host Mildred Lynn McDonald. Enjoy the show. We're back. We're here with Terry Songbird Phillips, and we're going to move into Canadian forestry essences. But before we do this, Terry had some wonderful words to share about the healthcare system and how you might choose to approach it in terms of taking responsibility. Now, Terry, please share with us once again. My biggest message with self-care and using a healthcare system is don't put the responsibility for your own well-being into anybody else's lap. Take charge of your health. And so often I hear people saying, you know, they're going to wait for the doctor to call them. They're going to wait for the test results. I assume because I didn't hear back from them and everything is okay. Don't assume. Don't assume anything with your own care. Take charge. Nobody is going to care as much about your state of well-being more than you. And that's our responsibility. Doctors, too, are just there to catalyze change for us. Our health care is 
our responsibility. Own that. And as you said, there's room for everybody at the table. Oh, absolutely. Anyway, I'd love to move into the Canadian forestry essences because I know that they are a tool that you use, that you love, that have a lot of benefits for people. So please share. When I was in my wellness center and I was working primarily as an iridologist and an herbalist, I was still looking for something to deal with emotions. So whether you're dealing with supplements or medication, what do you do with shame? What do you do with fear? What do you do with guilt? What do you do with procrastination? And these are real. Again, they're not tangible, but they are powerful and real. So I was seeking and the way I see it, I just put a prayer out to the universe and inevitably it'll come back to me. So I was asking the universe, please bring a modality to me that will be another tool in my toolbox that I can support my clients with. And through my network, there was somebody out in Nevada that I used to talk to a lot about the biochemical blood analysis that I did as an iridologist. And I was asking her, like, what do you do for the client's emotions? And she said, oh, have you ever heard of the Canadian forest tree essences? And immediately I was intrigued because they're Canadian and that's part of who I am. And I'm a tree person. And I hadn't heard of essences that came from trees. I had heard of flower essences. I think a lot of us are familiar with box flower remedies, but I hadn't heard of trees. So I went and I became educated and I took more courses and I fell in love with the trees. I love the resonance of the trees. Trees are very grounding. And I used to think to myself, you know, I could step on a flower and not know it because they're so delicate. But if I come into contact with a tree, the resonance of a tree is much more dominant and that spoke to me in terms of helping clients with their emotional pain body and then the owners of the company contacted me and they taught me that trees grow in a geographical ring around the earth and where I live tulip trees are native to this area part of the old Carolinian forest and they needed to make a mother tincture of the tulip tree so I ended up hosting Daniel and Celine, and I got the wonderful opportunity to meet these people. And then when I witnessed the literally the ceremony that is involved in collecting the parts of the trees or the bush to make the mother tincture, I was overwhelmed with emotion, with respect. I was humbled to know that I was working with a product that involves ceremony. It spoke to the shaman in me. And to this day, Celine's promise to the essences and to us that sell them for her is that they will never be mass manufactured. They will never come with metal and be mass manufactured. They still are made by hand. Intention is put into them, prayer, and that speaks to me. We had Celine on the show a couple of years ago. I know. And she did a beautiful it's, job. Beautiful. Isn't she amazing? Oh, my heavens. I just, I just loved and it. I'm so, I'm so blessed because she's part of my life. Yeah. And I have contact with her, and I've grown from her, and I've done coaching with her. And, you know, she's one of my mentors. And, and knowing her that that part of her also is instilled into her essences. I love these essences. And then when I share them with my clients, 
my clients begin to love the essences because they feel the change. They feel essences working and supporting them into coming out of a place maybe of constriction and opening up into more flow and movement and positivity or whatever it is that we're working with. They feel them. They feel them resonate within the core of their being. I loved when you talked about what do we do with the emotions? And yes. That is that is so true. Actually, we could do a whole series on that. Yes, we could. <laughs> so you talked about Celine being one of your mentors. Who else? do you find to be a mentor like who inspires you or energizes you the very first person that put me on this path literally was Shirley MacLaine I read that book out on a limb and my life has never been the same since so the whole concept of um, intuitiveness and synchronicity and everything happens for a reason that opened up a door inside of me that has forever changed my life I also realized in my studies, in my shamanism and in other work that I've done, that I'm very gifted with intuitiveness and being psychic. And I didn't realize that because it's always been on in me. I've always listened to my voice. I've always had a voice. I've always get pictures inside my head. I just thought everybody was wired like I am. So I didn't realize that I was different or that I'm right-brained. I just thought this is how I am. In fact, that's how I became a nurse. When I was seven years old, I was in grade three, and the teacher did this exercise. You know, what are you going to be when you grew up? And I saw a picture of a healer and hands. And in my seven-year-old little girl feminine intellect, I interpreted that as, oh, a nurse. So I didn't question it. I mean, I went all through school thinking, well, I'm supposed to go and be a nurse. That was the message I got. And that's just how I work. So when I read that book by Shirley MacLaine, it really validated a part in me. And I embraced that part of me more and more. And another mentor that I have that has changed my life and has given me great teaching is a channeled um, mentor and it's Abraham and Abraham is a group of entities non-physical entities that are channeled by Esther Hicks and they teach the law of attraction I get it and I love it and I live my life by that the teachings of Abraham has also changed my life for the better And what about maybe nature inspire you? Everything in nature inspires me. Every little living thing, two-legged, four-legged, crawlies, creepy crawlies, they inspire me. I think that they all reflect medicine in the world. I remember one time I had a very powerful dream about a big black, like a tarantula or a black spider, biting the end of my finger. And that asked me to look up animal medicine. So Ted Andrews is an author. He's since made his transformation. But I think he's one of the most well-known authors about translating animal medicine, Animal Speaks. Spider medicine represents the figure eight, and the figure eight represents infinity, and it represents grandmother medicine, and where am I in my walk of life? At that time, it was very significant. My grandmother was making her transition, and my mother was having a difficult time with it. Where was I between my grandmother and my mother? And so animals have always been very symbolic. Every time an animal crosses my path, again, I become conscious, I look at it, I may look up its animal medicine. There was a point in my life when grasshoppers were very prevalent and grasshoppers bring you into consciousness. You take a leap into consciousness. So I'm very connected that way. I love the water, I love the beach, I love the snow, I love the earth. 
I know that there's probably people listening saying, I love what Terry has to say. How do I get a hold of her? What's her website? So give us the goodies. What's coming up for me this year is I'm really being urged by spirit to move out of the comforts of my office and working on one-on-one. It's always been a dream of mine to be a motivational speaker. I'll never forget seeing the movie Field of Dreams. And when James Earls Jones's voice came through Kevin Costner and said, build it and they will come, they'll pay $7 a ticket and they won't know why, but they will come. And that resonates with me. So I know that I still have to build the platform from which I work. I'm going to start to do women's empowerment work through the work of some books that really speak to me and do group work. I've just hired a webmaster and I'm finally building a website, not just something to to look at, but one that will have a store and one that you can hire my services from so that we can work by Skype or by phone. So my goal this year is to get myself out of my comfort of my office. So I'm going to feel the fear and I'm going to do it anyways, Mildred Lynn. I like that a lot. I'm feeling the fear myself and doing it anyway, too. <laughs> right. You know, we, we do. We get comfortable in what we do. You know, as I think about retirement, I know that I'm never going to stop doing what I do because it's who I am, but I'd like to become more mobile in my retirement. Thinking about that now, and I'm really thinking that my website will facilitate more mobility, and then I can reach more people globally, and then I can coach and offer my services beyond the comfort of my office. That scares me. It's intimidating. But someday, truly, Mildred Lynn, I want to get up on that stage. And are you going to take your eggs with you? Oh, my God, of course. (laughs) Are you kidding? I'll be hanging on to an egg. They'll be in my pocket. They might even be stuffed down my bra, and I'll have my essences in my hand. I'll be taking my forest secrets to ground me, my millennium journey for anxiety, and my pussy willow to let it flow. (laughs) I think think you're all set. You just have to find the stage. There you go. (laughs) So, Terry, it's been fabulous it's been wonderful it's been amazing i'm so appreciative that you made the time to be with us today i absolutely love your message i can hear it coming right from you which is great to hear before we sign off and i sign off reluctantly i have to say is there any message that you would like to leave our listeners with there is, but first I want to give them my website. Oh, certainly. Because I'm yes. going to have an awesome website built. Yep. So it's real simple. It's my name, terrysongbird.com. I have a toll-free number if people want to use a phone. It's one eight 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 four nine four six six two seven. If there's one thing that I can impart with your listeners and with you, Mildred Lynn, is for people to truly appreciate and realize that Thoughts become things. Choose the good ones. Be conscious of the inner critic inside of you and change the radio station. It could be that simple. Visualize the television clicker and change the station. Because in all of who we are, in every moment, we all have a choice to make and we are enough. In all that we do, in all that I am, I am enough. I want to let our listeners know that we shared a lot of information today, a lot of uplifting knowledge, wisdom, laughter, antidotes. So what I've heard from our listeners is sometimes they listen to the show and then they'd like to go back afterwards, maybe in journal. They will listen to a little bit, press pause, journal in terms of how it relates to their lives, 
turn on the show again. So want to encourage people, especially with this show, to use that format of journaling if that's appropriate for you or just to re-listen again. And the second thing is, if you're feeling empowered and you know someone else who isn't feeling empowered, someone that would really benefit from Terry's message, please pass along the link. Because one of our goals for doing these shows is to get a wonderful message out there, an actionable message out there, and a message that can be shared with others. We want to keep the energy moving and flowing along. So don't be shy about doing that. So Terry, thank you so much for being here. And I'd love to have you back. It would be fun maybe if Lynn and I could come back together. I like that idea. Yes, let's Wouldn't make a date. Awesome? You send her an email and I'll send her an email. We'll both invite her and then she can't say no. Consider it, <laughs> consider it done. Thanks. I'm Mildred Lynn McDonald. I'm your host for Healing Conversations. I'm talking to Terry Songbird Phillips. Hope you enjoyed the interview today. And look forward to dancing out into the sun because now I'm all inspired. Thank you very much, Terry. You have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please join us next time for Revolution with Heisey Lutmers, Sunday morning at 1030 a.m.